You're listening to DraftKings Network. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. I just want to know, has gambling gone too far or, you know... (laughs) Are we, just scratching, are we just scratching the surface of where we're actually going? As someone who's just getting into gambling, and I like to bet on tennis personally, I'm going to try betting on hockey this year to get into it. If this is where we're going in hockey betting, this is where I want to fucking be. Allison. Shayna. Sarah. It's my favorite part of the show. It's not always a good show. Keep that in. (laughs) Keep that in. I'm not kidding. Hey, everybody. This is Allison Lucan. Welcome back to Too Many Men. We are so happy to be here, and I have made special effort into my appearance for our lovely friends on YouTube. Don't worry. We know what we look like. We're fine with it. We don't need your opinions. Have a great day. But thank you for listening. I am so happy to be joined by someone who is viewed as a resource, an insider, and a style queen, and that is Sarah Sivian. Sarah, how are you today? Oh, Allison, I'm great. I'm glad you brought up the YouTube comments. I do want to address my eyebrow. Um, (laughs) It does look really fucked up. Like somebody said that and I looked at it. I was like, why does my eyebrow look so fucked up? I think it's the way it's like recorded. I made my boyfriend promise and take videos of me after I saw that. I'm like, does my eyebrow look like it's jumping off my face in real life? I think it's a combination of me trying to pay attention and not move while I'm on the pod because I'm always tapping my feet or something. And I have ADHD friends, you know how that is. So I'm trying to focus so hard. And I think it's something about the mirroring of the video, I hope. I just need to stay sane and know that my eyebrow, I I acknowledge how (laughs) fucked up it looks on YouTube. It's not really like that in real life unless everybody's lying to me, my entire life's a lie. I mean, again, newsflash for all of you who feel you need to inform us of your opinions. We've been looking at these faces for years. So we're aware, we know, we're not stating any different piece. On the rest of our wonderful crew, you should be thankful you have YouTube because you get to see the creative, most beautiful, most knowledgeable, bringing her artistic value, not just in words, but in her hair and her creativity through her Etsy shop, Shayna Goldman of The Athletic. Shayna, say hi. Hi, your check's in the mail, weekly check. Just gonna automatically, I'm just gonna start doing like a direct deposit or something, make life a little easier, (laughs) save some paper. Shayna, do you have any thoughts for our YouTube viewers 
We love our YouTube viewers. We just don't need your shitty ass comments. I say fuck off. Like you, you probably don't want us like over your shoulder while you're working, being like you look like shit while you work because we all like try a lot. I get it. Like our work requires us to like, I guess, look a certain way because like you're a woman in sports and like the expectations are that like everyone's like perfect every moment of the day, but like. Just fuck off. Right. I want to say, no, this is not the, shouldn't be the expectation, right? The expectation is for us to sit here and talk about hockey and talk about the things that are going on on a week to week basis or whatever it is. It isn't for me to look amazing. Like I didn't sign up to be a model. I think it's so boring to point that out, right? Disagree with a take. I would love to see a comment that is like passionately disagreeing with a take that I've had. I don't. We get, like, it's just, I know what I, we look at these faces all the time. We all get it. I think you two are beautiful. I think I'm pretty hot. I'm not claiming to be, like, somebody <laughs> well, you are, amazingly yeah. gorgeous. I mean, I've seen worse. Wrong. But, like, let's get real. Nobody is going, like, I'm not in a bikini. Like, we're talking about hockey. Get with it or leave. Thank you. <laughs> Well, exactly. And since we are women who are paid to have their opinions on hockey, let's get to it. Why don't we? What do you say? Hey, hey, what do you say? That's your boy, Johnny Forsland. Forsland. Yes, we love John Forsland. All right, Sarah, it's time for your favorite segment, which is... Biddle News! Shout out to our producer, Jeremy Taché, who's probably made that sound a lot more professional than we just did. Um, but we do have some news. Um, hockey is getting closer and closer as training camps are underway. Teams are starting to try and take shape. And as teams are trying to take shape, they are always, of course, keeping an eye to the future. And as reported by Elliot Friedman, there is an expected increase coming in the salary cap. It will still increase its projected $1 million incremental climb next season. That's the 23-24 season, which will take the cap to $83.5 million. And then in 2024-25, the cap will reportedly, per Elliot Friedman again, be set at around $87.5 to $88 million while the following year's cap, that's the 25-26 season, would be set to around $92 million. So after a couple years um, where COVID has understandably kept that cap situation pretty flat, um, it seems to be a positive that we're seeing that number start to go up again. And we've seen teams having to do some creative things with contracts. We're gonna talk a little bit about some of those specifically in a while, but even things like teams deciding to sign younger players earlier in theory for cheaper and longer betting on potential versus past performance. But Shana, you are our cap expert. What were your thoughts on this news? What does this tell you about the league? And and what do you think it may mean teams return to doing or start doing differently? I think it's a good thing that there's a cap increase, but I think that everybody wants to see it higher, obviously, and like COVID did throw a wrinkle and everything, but also like the NHL is not the best at projecting revenues and they are not the best at marketing their products. So it should be you know, greater than it is by now, um, teams are probably going to see the increase and continue doing stupid things because that's what they do. And then they'll be in a bind and throw contracts out for nothing, which we've been seeing a lot. But um, 
I mean, I don't hate the salary cap. I know a lot of people don't like it. I think it kind of forces everyone to think differently, though, and to be a little bit more creative. And, you know, it's not that necessarily that the cap is the cap is what it is. You know, you could sit there and be like, oh, it's it's the cap's fault. It's not. It's just the general manager's fault for not projecting well enough when they sign a player. And there are times that there are great bets that don't work out. But this should force everyone to be a little bit more creative and a little bit smarter. And sometimes, you know, general managers just aren't. So uh, I think the more pressure on them to kind of like get with it and figure out ways to to actually make savings and to invest at the right time because the system itself is flawed with free agency. Like it should be a greater challenge. So I want to see how general managers can keep navigating it instead of selling players for nothing and getting desperate and hoping their friends will help them out to get out of their binds. I do want to add that the NHLPA agreed to kind of not hiring the cap ceiling over the past few years so they could get NHL players paid accordingly in COVID times and like have financial security in that. So that makes sense. I mean, I do. Obviously, the NHLPA is getting a new leader as they should. So hopefully everything gets kind of a little better on the negotiation front there with them and they're more protected. But it's kind of BS all around and I'm excited for the cap to raise. Sarah, do you like the trend? Again, I don't know if it's even an actual trend yet, but do you think teams should be paying young players earlier to try and hold on to their rights? Or did you like the historical trend, which was more basically you're getting your big paycheck to pay for past service and then teams are holding on to what are often non-value contracts worth a lot of money for a player who just can't produce anymore? What do you think I'm going to say? I just want to hear you say it. <laughs> I, pay the young boys. Pay them. They are awesome for this league, especially like where it's going and where these guys have worked so hard to get where they are. And when you look at the other top sports in America, it's like everybody gets paid so much more and they aren't falling apart. Nope. Their league is more popular. So I think paying these young guys and making them a star and kind of giving a face to the league is can only help everybody. Outstanding. Outstanding. Well, from real hockey news to you can't make this shit up news. Um, there was something that if you're on Twitter, you have probably seen. I don't know if this made its way to other uh, social media platforms. But uh, in a mind-blowing display of evaluation, um, a list was put out this week of the NHL's most handsome coaches rankings. Um, and I want to be specific about where this came from. Kudos to, again, of course, our own Sarah Sivian, who did the work here to find it, because I was literally beside myself. I was like, what is this? Where did it come from? Um, it was a report by gambling.com <laughs> that ranked all 32 NHL head coaches based on results. I can't make this up, people. Provided by a beauty measuring app called Golden Ratio Face. The app is out there. What it does is it uses facial symmetry and facial structure to calculate beauty by assigning a score out of 10. Thank God they did it to the men. Or we just have to point out there's no women behind NHL benches yet, but I digress. Gambling.com <laughs> says it used portraits from the official NHL website in conjunction with the app to compile this list, rounding decimals <laughs> up or down to, quote, ensure consistency. 
so let's not use actual math, which is if you're 0.5 or above, you round up. No, we're just going to do it on a consistency basis, whatever the fuck that means. Um, kudos to our colleagues in media who actually got some quotes from coaches on this ranking. Um, Red Wings coach Derek Lalonde told the Detroit Free Press, quote, if David Quinn is at the bottom and I'm at the top, that's a bad, bad list. <laughs> Bruce Boudreau said, quote, there must have been an awful lot of blind people doing the poll. And according to the Columbus Dispatch's Bailey Johnson, Blue Jackets head coach Brad Larson, the first thing he said when walking into the room for his availability that day was, quote, no one's going to ask me about that list, right? Um, I would usually have a more organized thought or question to one or the both of you about this, but it literally blew my mind your thoughts on this list, Shayna, go. <laughs> I mean, I, I have thoughts everywhere on this list. Like, I love the coaches' quotes. I love that we're having this conversation. I think the ranking is a little odd. I mean, I off the bat, if I'm just quickly skimming this, Rod Brindamore, underrated. Marty St. Louis, <laughs> underrated. Mike Sullivan, underrated. David Quinn, Underrated. So I have some questions in the methodology right there because I think that's, you know, every coach would probably agree with you on some of these. Um, but I just want to know, has gambling gone too far or, you know, are <laughs> we just scratching, are we just scratching the surface of where we're actually going as someone who's just getting into gambling? And I like to bet on tennis personally. I'm going to try betting on hockey this year to get into it. If this is where we're going in hockey betting, this is where I want to fucking be. This is my kind of, this is it. I want to know about appearances. I want rankings on hair. I want rankings on shoes, on outfits. I want every single detail. And I want to see coaches really now pushing it because they know this is going to be talked about. And obviously you can't control what you look like physically, but you could be like, oh, there's going to be rankings for a dress, like how I dress. I'm going to wear the sickest ties, like Rod Brindamore and the Paisley ties that we all know how much I loved. Exactly. Like, this is the content I crave. I want. I'm gonna make graphs of this. This is it for me. I fuck hockey analysts. Shayna, this is this your is new it. fantasy column. I feel like I, Shayna yeah. Goldman. Seriously, I will pay you American dollars to write okay. a fantasy article on these wagers. Is this a thing? Can we actually wager on this somewhere? Is that an actual thing? I'm right now. It's on gambling.com. Well, that's what I'm saying. You guys, we <laughs> need to do legit. this. We need to. Yeah, I'm. I'm sending this is your this project. editor right now. Okay. I'm asking. Okay. This. I legitimately. This needs to. And. and I think you could even do like you could do it by position, right? Like you could do assistant coaches, Ooh. goaltending coaches. We could have tiers here. The, this tears. is the analysis. We love I need. tiers. This is, this is the analysis. Sarah, other than Daryl Sutter somehow being ranked second, what are your thoughts on well, these coaching rankings? I'm heading to gambling.com and hammering the under on my eyebrow. But I do think. Which the irony is not lost that I just told people to leave my looks alone and then I'm like power ranking how hot these NHL coaches are. But listen, they're making millions. And I don't, I made it a point yesterday to exclusively tweet about how hot I think Rod Brindamore is and not how ugly I think anybody else is. I think there's a way to do this. I think even people revised these lists and gave their own opinions and david quinn was snubbed every single time that is an attractive man like objectively that's a disney prince um he needs to be number one <laughs> i liked all the revisions that had rod higher than he was i think he's a lovely man um they don't call him rod the bod for nothing like what he can't make the hockey hall of fame any of his players would tell fame. you too yeah. any of his players would be like he should be on the list he's fitter than us I've, I've seen him every day 
in person, very good looking man. Um, yes, good for him, good for everybody. Um, I thought the comments were just hilarious. And somebody said like, where's David Quinn, the Red Wings new coach? So I, I love that. I love, this is kind of the value, not this is the value of being back in <laughs> locker rooms, but like at, having time to ask these silly questions that connect us all closer to the game and give us a few laughs. Uh, I'm here for it. But don't call anybody ugly on my watch. Well, and again, these aren't just, I just, okay, I revise. Your point is well taken. I was surprised that Daryl Sutter was ranked as high as he was. <laughs> How about that? Because yeah. it is, and what's interesting is too, so I'm sure people know this, like the whole thing of this app I wager is people say like the more symmetrical your face is, the more objectively attractive you are. It's not actually anything like with shape. It's like all about symmetry. But what do I know? Yeah, I'm so. fucked. <laughs> I mean, the one eyebrow is just really hurting. <laughs> it's popping up. I just have a lot of feelings. Okay, anyway. <laughs> so, um, yes, those uh, hands- most handsome NHL coaches, it's out there. You'll find it. It was, it was something. <laughs> um, we also have some preseason injuries uh, to talk about. Um, some notable injuries, in fact, for two teams that have been uh, – very much on people's watch list. And the first is Brock Besser of the Vancouver Canucks is out for three to four weeks thanks to hand surgery. Um, Apparently this happened in practice over the weekend. Um, Shana, what are your thoughts on Brock Besser missing time and particularly for a Canucks team that is really looking to kind of prove they're they're on, on the come now here and on the rise versus what they've struggled with in the past? Yeah, I think losing any key players for any time, even if it, you know, shakes out to three games of the regular season, because I still obviously have time preseason. The season starts kind of funky anyway with the games in uh, Europe. Like they have a minute, but anything that the Canucks lose is going to hurt them because they are not the best team in the West. They're not a guaranteed contender. They have other things working against them. The one good thing is it does give other players a chance a little higher in the lineup, like Pod Coles and maybe you'll see your Hoglander get it like a little bit more opportunity, which isn't a bad thing. So maybe they can carve themselves out a bigger role than they had last year, or maybe one that, you know, they didn't get the chance to show enough in preseason, something like that. But just overall, like preseason injuries are tough, and that's why like everyone wants to see preseason get shortened. Sarah, this one has to be for you because it's not a podcast if we don't ask ourselves how does this affect the Leafs. <laughs> <laughs> but but John Tavares is out, and I, I lost the tweet here. I don't know, Shana, if you have it come to mind. It's a matter of weeks, I do believe, minimum. Yeah, I think it's three weeks minimum, too. I, think it, yeah, th- I thought three to four was what I thought. So let's go with three. We both agree on that. It's a minimum of three weeks um, with an oblique injury. Uh, John Tavares is a lightning rod in the NHL in general, um, but particularly for Leafs fans. Your thoughts on how does this affect the Leafs, Sarah? It's not his fault that they overpaid him, but here we are. Um, I, I, yeah, depends how long he's out. Obviously, this is his tenure is not gone according to plan as they've wanted it to. But at the same time, like they're gonna have to face some adversity and rise above it at least once. So let's get it out of the way early in the preseason slash season, and he comes back and explodes. I don't know. Hopefully he doesn't explode. That's how it's <laughs> Yeah, painful. in a good way. He scores a lot of points. He's a steady, good leader that they need. I don't think any <laughs> one person on the Toronto Maple Leafs is 
to blame, I think. <laughs> it's all good, all good. Uh, so again, um, we're watching these injuries. It's going to be interesting, particularly at this time of year, because, and Shana, keep us honest here, in a way, depending on your roster and cap situation, an injury could help you as you get into managing assets with having to put players through waivers um, and also getting that final roster for opening night. Um, is there, are there, are there, no one wants to lose a marquee player, as you said, but are there benefits to teams that might be struggling to get all their players on their roster and not lose anyone through waivers or, or do things with the cap? If anyone has like a major enough injury that you have a player going on long-term IR or anything like that, which a bunch of teams are going to start doing soon, um, because you can be over the cap, uh, for 10% to start the season. And then you have to get under, um, I mean like these injuries, it doesn't really help as much on the cap because they're short term, but what it does do is just open up that roster space to give someone a chance before you risk putting them through waivers and just to have that extra game or two might help because a player might be thinking, I'm going down, that's it for me, and then gets this opportunity and maybe they have, you know, a new life or something because it's always fun when, you know, a player can push their way onto the roster instead of risking going through waivers. And then everyone wants to take the Toronto Maple Leafs players from waivers anyway. And this was very dramatic last year and we don't need that to happen again. So if everybody oh, we can do. stop. No, just stop stealing the Leafs players. Stop singling out the Leafs. Everyone wants to be the Leafs and you can't. Stop trying to take their passion. <laughs> Not the passion. Who said it? Mark Giordano said it in his interview, I guess. Something about the yeah. passion and all. Yeah. That's all. I mean, jeezy cow. All right. Anyway, um, there have been some signings. Um, we're going to hit on a couple uh, bigger ones and interesting ones. Um, Sarah, Florida, the Florida Panthers, uh, re have signed their goaltender Spencer Knight to a three-year extension with a $4.5 million AAV. And Florida has had an interesting offseason. Uh, new coach made some big-time trades, but it'll be curious to see how those shake out. What are your comments or, or observations on this signing? Sergei Bobrovsky is still there, still getting paid a whole big chunk of change for the next couple of years. Well, Allison, this makes me wonder your take about Bobrovsky, because I know you've studied him for a while and you have a lot of uh, opinions on that, maybe. I, I feel like, does this mean this was a failed experiment and they overpaid him, or is it more nuanced than that? Yeah, it's interesting. And, you know, I think it's this is one of those questions, too, right, where it's, how much money do you want tied up in any one position? And this is just a lot of money to have tied up in goaltending, particularly with Bob, who arguably has not played his best um, since being in the Panthers. But, I, you know, it's it'd be safe if there wasn't that. And again, not because of the player, but it'd be safe if there wasn't so much money already tied up in the position and their other player. I don't know. Shana, do you have thoughts? Yeah, it just seems like an odd decision for a team that's already in a cap crunch and has other things to address. And I understand if they feel pressure or want to get in and sign him sooner than later. So it doesn't, you know, cost more in the long run. But this is someone who, I mean, it's, the the money amount in itself is a little bit questionable too for someone who's only played in a backup capacity. I would expect that as like, early starting years and right now there's no indication that that's going to be the case obviously we expect Borowski to trend down and Knight to start you know pulling I don't want to say pulling his weight but getting more ice time getting more playing time and to share the net a little bit more because that's only natural when a goalie is like in their mid-30s but as it stands like you still have Borowski for years so unless that there's another plan to move him out uh, it's really questionable why you're going to put that much money when you should be, I don't know, putting it in your defense and things like that. Like, that's what they need help with right now. Um, so Defense and things bit. like that. Defense <laughs> and things, things of like that, that nature. Things, things of, of that, that nature. nature. Defense. It's, 
Yeah. I mean, look, it's not it's not the current management's fault that they drafted Spencer Knight to be the goalie of their future and then signed Bobrovsky to this ridiculous deal when they knew this is the goalie of their future and now his prime, we're going to keep him, you know, blocked from the starter's net because of this contract situation. That's not their fault, but I don't, I have a lot of questions about how management has been navigating the cap world now. And I do like how bold they were at the deadline last year. Um, but this summer, I'm just like, that's, that's a lot. And for $4.5 million when the cap's not going up that much just yet, um, it's a choice. It is a choice. That That is early starter money right there. I would have just waited for him to be the starter, and then maybe you go to 5-5 f- five, five for five years and try to extend it. But Right. Like, are, are teams going to panic now and overpay people because right, of the right. cap? That means you got a really good eight. Maybe Spencer Knight has a really good agent. Maybe yep. dominoes are going to fall in a few months that we aren't aware of yet. Or maybe... They just wanted to put a lot of money into their goaltenders, but maybe Bobrovsky can play defense, I guess. We'll see what they have in store for us. <laughs> well, another deal that came across uh, just on Wednesday here is that the Columbus Blue Jackets uh, signed defenseman Andrew Peake to a three-year $8.25 million extension. That's 2.75 annualized hit. Um, this is interesting to me because the Blue Jackets that used to be a very strong defensive team really kind of flip-flopped um, their strategic advantage, which is fine. That's something that can happen, but they became a lot more offensive and a lot less defensive last year with the coaching change to Brad Larson behind the bench. And Andrew Peake, it's a great asset retention strategy because this is a draft pick. This is a player they've liked for a long time. But he hasn't really blown the doors off things. Um, Paired a little bit with Zach Wierenski last year. That would be on the top pair. And they're still really looking for a good, solid top pair match for Wierenski. They have some young options, um, but they haven't really found a fit yet. And now a team, just like Shana said, in terms of being cap-strapped because of the Johnny Gaudreau money, um, this is, again, it's it's a money management question to see how this pans out. I, Sarah, do you have thoughts on the former Metro foe of yours, the Columbus Blue Jackets? I am very interested to see what the CBJ do this season. I don't know. I don't have them making the playoffs, but I do think they've made a lot of interesting moves, whereas it doesn't shock me if they were to make the playoffs uh it seems to be trending in the the right direction but I don't really know like I I don't know what what do you think Shayna I kind of look at it and I'm like if you wanted to do that contract it's fine but now it's this contract when he hasn't like Allison said blown the doors off plus Gabranson I'm like that's a choice to invest your cap in that meanwhile you had to dump off Bjorkstrand for nothing when he's a very good player that I think any team would be lucky to have. That was fine. That was totally <laughs> well, fine. Yeah, yeah well, for all the right reasons we like that. But like you look at it and you're like, you should have pushed for more. And every team knew that they didn't have leverage because of their cap situation. If they could have traded him for a defenseman instead of signing Cabranson and investing here, like it adds up and everybody like is so quick to spend and then has to backtrack to, you know, to subtract. And it's like, you're doing the wrong thing here. So hopefully you know for their sake that he can find his potential and hit his stride because they obviously need him to and now they just invested in him so it puts even more pressure on him too um but just some of the other decisions around it you're just like all right those are choices can i do a hot take always i don't think i'd put all of my eggs in a johnny goudreau basket i don't i think he always needs a supporting cast he's had 
a few opportunities with great supporting cast to rise above. Um, I would have liked a little more explanation about how he came to the decision to go to the Blue Jackets. I don't know. I I don't know if I put all my eggs in the basket and I could be eating my words later, but I no, I think that's no, fair, though. No, I agree. I, I, and, you know, I've said this on record. I, th- I think it's – if Johnny Gaudreau becomes available and says he wants to come to your team, you do everything you can to make that happen. I just think he's arriving a little bit before the actual window when CBJ could make the yeah. most of him is. Now, again, you don't say, yeah, Johnny, can you come back in a few years when other teams <laughs> might have cap space and he goes somewhere else? Can't do that. You have to sign the player. And for – Yarmo Kekalainen and, and his group, this is a huge thing for a big free agent to say they want to be in Columbus. And yes. again, Columbus is a very lovely place to live and play hockey, people. Agreed. You can only critique it if you've been there. Um, but uh, yeah, I just I think it's about it's an issue of timing for me versus <laughs> versus uh, what's going to happen when everyone's at their peak. I do love Yarmo. I think he's very aggressive in a good way, and we need more of that. So good for him. Yeah, he was bold in a year that he knew where the team was going, even if they did it, and they still were like, we're going balls to the wall. So I respect that. But I think, yeah, I, I think he's an elite player. He's an elite offensive player. He's one of the top wingers in the league, without a doubt. But I think that there is that difference between elite winger and game breaker. That's the McDavid's Matthew, McKinnon, McCarr, those players. Crosby still is. You could put Barkoff in that group. Dreisaitl, but like, Goudreau, I think, is right Dreisaitl. below that. Yes. <laughs> whatever. Whatever. I said his name. It's fucking fine. Dreisaitl. 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 Good job. Like recital. Dreisaitl. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think I think that it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think that there just needs, the, he does need a good supporting cast. And I think that there were like the potential makings for them to get him that. And then some of the decisions are like, oh, <laughs> All right, like I think Wierenski is, I think Wierenski is underrated yeah. by a lot of people. I think Elvis 100%. is underrated. 100%. I think, you know, Line A, I think can be really good too. And then you look at their center depth and you're like, you could have bolstered that. The Branson deal, you could have not invested there. there. There's things they could have done, even while having to make the cut of Bjorkstrand, which is a decision that might bite them. A but good it, you decision. Know, a good decision for Seattle. But for them, you know, you might look at it and go, they still had to do it regardless to move the cap out. But like, the rest of it, I'm just like, all right, okay. Well, as as Shana has repeatedly said, we'll see how this shakes out. Um, we'll continue to monitor um, those injuries and signings. Before you at us, no, we may not get every single one because sometimes, honestly, we don't have time or we don't care. So we're going to talk <laughs> yeah. about the ones we want to talk about. Don't it's our show. We no, we hate fuck. your team. We hate your team, especially if you're the Oilers. Then we really fucking hate you. <laughs> Uh, Speaking of things that we hate, um, unfortunately, it is time to move on to the shit list. And this is a big one. Um, So we want to acknowledge that this is a very serious topic before we (laughs) start to get really fired up about it. Um, But uh, beginning, I believe it was yesterday, um, the first report that I saw was courtesy of the Vancouver Sun. um, And there are reports coming out uh, about the Canucks 
owner, Francesco, I believe I'm, if I'm mispronouncing that, I do apologize, Aquilini. Um, he is engaged in a divorce, and as part of that divorce, um, some very serious accusations have been levied. Um, Sarah, you have been helping us curate a lot of as much up-to-date information as we can get on this story. Can you lay out um, what the details are, and then we can talk it through? Yes. And again, we apologize. We're not experts in Canadian law, which is a little different than U.S. law, which we're also not experts in. But per the Vancouver Sun, three of Francesco Acolini's children, all of whom are now adults, have levied serious allegations that he abused them when they were younger. A lawyer for the Vancouver Canucks chairman and governor's former wife told a judge Tuesday. Acolini had provided child support up until September 2021, but then he stopped payments, and that's kind of what brought about these affidavits, and they are sealed information, so they aren't really supposed to be in the public, but a few have come through in testimonies, and they've just said horrible things. We're not, we, it's not necessary that we go over them, but his, three of his children all accused him of abusing them and of witnessing abuse to the other kids, so... That sucks. Um, it's just like, it's, it's, can't get a day off from things like this. But then you've got people who are like reporters that have been around him for 17 years saying, I, I won't do the guy justice of getting him attention, but there's one local columnist around Vancouver who said, I've known the guy for 17 years and he never, looked like he'd do something like that. It's like, it is always people that don't, not always, but it is a lot of the time people you don't think would do something like that. Like you're not his child, you're a reporter that could paint him in a good light. Why is he gonna abuse you? Like he is, if you're, I'm not, okay, allegedly, if he engaged in child abuse, it, like he is preying on people that are weaker than him because he's a coward, not like going after people his own size. It's just always, there's always one local clown that says something like that when allegations like this pop up. And it's like, whether he is found guilty or not, why do you want to be the guy saying something like that? Why do you want to say, oh, he looked fine to me. I'm like, okay, so you're a bad judge of character at best. And you're a horrible reporter also at best. Like, I just don't think that's an appropriate thing to interject and you're just showing you have no understanding of the context of the allegations at hand. Yeah, and I think that's such an important point, Sarah, because as a reporter, it is not our jobs to have that bias or to defend the people on whom we report. And more importantly, I think that we as individuals, when we have been in situations like that, and to various degrees, I know pretty much everyone has been in a situation where someone you thought you knew did something that surprised you. And it could have been something shocking you in a good way, it could have been something shocking you in a bad way. And I think we have to realize that we need to do the work to realize that what we're feeling is shock and surprise and process that versus not doing the work and just excusing it away because that's the easy way out. And that is what this dude is supposed is maybe doing in this case. And you need to realize that the actual thing you're feeling is this doesn't jive with who I thought this person was. And now I have to figure out what's right or what's wrong. And it doesn't mean you don't necessarily have loved or have cared about the person or had a good relationship with the person, but shit happens. And Sarah, you made a great point on Twitter today. If you're one of the abused individuals in this case, like, would he say that to 
to these children in this case. It's just shocking to me. Shana, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's amazing when people are interject and someone that knows them in a professional capacity thinks that they know them in a personal capacity in that way and what they're like outside of work, you know, like, of course he would never act that way. You have a platform. You are in the media. He's going to act like a business person and go about his day because you are the one that can give him bad press. And by doing this, what are you accomplishing? Do you think you're going to get a scoop out of this? Like, I truly don't understand. Um, And it's just, it's disappointing altogether. And I think the response from the league is a little bit weak as well. They made a statement and there was a line like, you know, clearly the parties have been involved in a most contentious divorce. And it just felt very unnecessary. Like, yeah, okay, there might be a reason for that. Like, as if you're saying these are coming, this this kind of information's coming out because they're in a divorce and obviously things are going to get messy versus maybe understanding why the divorce is contentious. Maybe it's because of how someone acted, you know, in this process, before this process. There's a reason they got divorced. There's a reason it got contentious now. So just the way it's it's always so quick. Everyone is always so quick to safeguard owners and protect them they're not your friends. These these are business people. If you're the league, it obviously it looks bad on you, but it looks worse on you if you jump to protection versus having a less biased statement and, you know, you want to take the time to figure it out from here and do the right thing because what the league does has ramifications. If other teams, you know, see this is what happens if you are in this situation and you own a team like you're not immune to it. But instead, the NHL for some reason, it feels it's so hellbent to defend the worst people or keep their mouth shut at the worst times. You look at what's going on with like the Nashville Predators owner ownership, which is a completely different situation, but that's okay. Protecting this situation, that's okay. And, you know, anyone could respond and say, well, they're innocent until proven guilty and nobody's disagreeing with that. But there's a way to have a more neutral statement instead of making it seem like you're, it, the divorce is contentious because because the, this is coming out like did you see what she was what wearing that's i mean that's what this is like seriously and here's yeah. the statement and i'm reading this from um patrick johnston on twitter he's excellent um, if you're trying to keep up with this definitely give him a follow and and as part of the statement that shane is referencing the quote is quote clearly the parties have been involved in a most contentious divorce now we know how many lawyers are in the nhl front offices those words are not chosen by accident. You could have simply said the parties are involved in a divorce, but you chose to emphasize that with clearly and you chose to evaluate proceedings, which I'm curious to know how you are keeping up with everyone's legal affairs all the time to evaluate this as contentious. And it literally is like saying to a victim of sexual assault, well, did you see what she was wearing? Like, for the to record, Shana's point, it doesn't matter. For the record, I just triple-checked this. They got divorced in 2013. So I feel like the contention, maybe, in that, like, and I don't know anything, but I, do, I will say, I think the divorce part of it would have probably happened back then, and now it's more about he stopped paying child support in 2021, and the man has a lot of money, so he wanted to see what I, what I read from the Vancouver Sun. And again read that for all the details, but he, well, I guess he wanted to know what colleges they were going to, but they all didn't feel comfortable telling their father what colleges they were going to because they didn't want him to find them. And then he stopped paying child support. So then they were like, well, yeah, we don't want him to know where we are because he abused us. So the fact that they have to do that and the fact that the NHL just once again 
clearly the parties have been involved in a most contentious divorce. Like there's no right. need. There's a better way to. to and again, it. there's ro- there's room. There's all the room. I understand that they're saying, and they do say at the end. And I, I this part was much more resonating with how I feel um, that they should handle it. It says, we plan to continue to monitor the situation and if necessary, we'll respond as we learn more as events unfold. I want to be very clear. We're not asking them to be judge and jury either before all the facts are out. But the words of this statement do very subtly express a bias and an opinion that just really doesn't need to be there if you acknowledge that you don't know all the facts just yet. Just thinking of anybody who has been a victim of child abuse and has somebody had somebody like the local clown that will remain unnamed say something like, oh, that's a good guy. Like, just think before you tweet. You don't have, nobody put a gun to your head and said, defend this billionaire. Like, let's just think about even if this guy is innocent, I'm not calling him guilty right now, but I am saying, think about anybody else who might've been triggered by a statement like this that has been, dealing with something like this and think before you jump to defend a billionaire that wouldn't care if you were dying on the street. 100%. As many people have said, we have two ears and one mouth for a reason. My mom mom said that once to to my niece and my mom is deaf in one ear and I totally forgot about this. And my niece goes, actually, you have one ear. <laughs> Thus, there you go. <laughs> Thus endeth our shit list uh, for the week. Um, we will continue to keep you up to date on unfolding events there as well. Um, but as always, we end every episode with our favorite game to play. I will let you all know, and I forgot to write it down, but Stephen has has suggested that we change the name of Fuck Mary Kill to reduce the number of fucks in every episode. So I'm just Can letting you, tell you know. Him no. Fornicate, <laughs> marry, kill. <laughs> Fornicate, marry, kill. Um, so, so let's so just smile at him when you say no. Make it you know let what? him know it's from me. His birthday is coming up. His birthday is coming up. So maybe, well, just this one time. You want to wait to give him a birthday present of, of fornicate versus fuck, or do you want to do it this week, Shane? I'll let you make the call. Because he sent you some articles earlier this week reinforcing. No, we have to curse this week then. Okay, all right. We okay. have to. <laughs> okay, here we go. Shana, you're up first. Fuck, okay. Mary kill. The eight-year deal for Tim Stutzla, a player whose name you love to say. An eight-year deal for Jonathan Huberdeau. Or the eight-year deal for Nathan McKinnon. Go. Marry the eight-year deal for Nathan McKinnon. He's earned it, crushed it. Anyone had any questions about him? Like, about (laughs) anything about his game? He answered it with unbelievable game-breaking play. That's a pay-you-play any day of the week. He's going to be underpaid. And, you know, a lot of the times we do talk about aging curves, and we're going to get there when we talk about a different uh, contract. But when you start at the elite level that he is at, your age, your aging, your average is better than the average NHL forward. That's the player you give eight years at any point in his career. Whatever he wants, you give it to him. Um... I will fuck this Dutzla deal because I do, I think it's a nice thing that teams are starting to recognize when to pay players because you should be, the free agency system is screwed up in how it is and players don't have that leverage until they're older and that becomes problematic. Uh, If you can pay for future and current, present and future performance, you're doing the right thing. And obviously here they're betting on a lot of future performance, Um, but it's a bet I like because if you look below the surface, you can see some, you know, signs of 
you know, like positive play, even if the results aren't popping off just yet. He's been on a very bad team doing that. Shift to center was great for his game, and now they're getting him that supporting cast that I think he's going to be even better if they're projecting that Stutzla and Debrinkat are going to be this incredible combination between Debrinkat's shot and Stutzla's passing. You know, it absolutely makes sense to go for it now. Um, if you're going to take a risk, this is the kind of player you do it, and I will kill the Huberto deal because... I respect the fact that Calgary does not care what happens in the future and they want to ensure that they are competing with this core and they go, we have three to four years with this core to be really good. So let's let's make them as good as they can be. We'll give them the, con- you know, Hubert of the contract and Kadri the contract. It's going to burn them on the tail end of it. And we understand that's what can happen, but they want to stay competitive and this is how they're doing it. That said, it's a lot of money. It is a lot of money. I wouldn't want to give a player who, unfortunately, is a bit one-dimensional. He doesn't have to be some defensive, selkie-caliber player, but he's legitimately bad defensively and, you know, kind of lazy in how he coasts in certain plays. It's something um, I looked at with Dom Lushishin last year. We went through all of his shifts in, you know, games he didn't have incredible numbers, and you would see him coasting. So I think that it's, it's a tough deal that is going to age poorly given where he is now, you know, you're doing this a year early. It's going to cover most of his 30s. It's the last thing that you want to do for a player, sign them for that age range. So it's great and wonderful he can produce on the power play. It's great and wonderful he can score a bunch. But um, I would want someone who's a little bit stronger below the surface and at a different point in their career, unless they were that Nathan McKinnon level. Sarah Sivian. Yeah, no notes. Like, completely agree with you. Nathan McKinnon, not one person on earth is going to get mad if that ages poorly in, like, the last two years. He, he got the cup. He This team... I don't know. I, I love the abs still. I think they're getting better. I, I think they improved in the offseason. I mean, they didn't get significantly worse. And, and I think they're going to be great for at least a few years. And they're not doing that without McKinnon. So good for them. And you know he's not, like, ever going to go off the deep end and go crazy. Like, he is going to keep everybody in line. We've seen, we've seen the anecdotes about him. <laughs> so do you agree line for line with Shayna's fuck Mary kill this week? Yes, I think this is the first time in history this has happened. I love Stutzla too. Shane is. Yeah. Oh. I, it's you, about damn time. It's always it's about me damn versus time. you two. I think I'm becoming a senator <laughs> stan. I fucking love the Ottawa oh, senators. I'm so excited to see what they yeah. do. I, they, they're going to be chaotic, excited. but I like it. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. It's exciting yeah. to watch it's a game all that's 8-7. Who fucking cares? Yeah. I just want to exactly. see it. It's, exactly. it's all looking good to me. I think yeah. this is the perfect player to give that extension. 20 years old, he's going to be like entering his prime, or he's going to be on the his prime during this contract, and then he's going to dip when the contract's up. Like, yep. good for them. See, and this is what I'm excited about to see with these contracts is like, pay more to get the best years mm-hmm. do we care i'm no. kind of yeah. here for it i think exactly. if, if you're, smart gonna, GMs, if you're it could choosing be to overpay that's what you're paying for overpaying right, exactly for. exactly shana are you ready yes i agree with you <laughs> wow, wow look at us all it's wow, the hat trick it's the that. tmm hat trick mm-hmm. you guys it's a first TMM for everything tmm hat trick who knew this could happen it's a crazy ass day the new season of too many men baby this is where we're going everyone agrees with me i'm leading <laughs> i'm leading the ship right now i'm going first for fuck marry kill always and i'm going to inspire you two and everyone's going to agree with me that's it <laughs> uh, y'all that is another episode of too many men in 
the can. As always, we appreciate all of you who listen. We appreciate all of you who watch. We continue to be so proud of to be part of the Dan Lebetard Network and have our show out with their support. Just an awesome group of people that we are so lucky to be associated with. Um, remember that you can find us on Twitter. Follow us at two underscore much underscore man. Please also remember that the name of the show is a damn joke. It's a play in hockey that's a penalty, people. We know what we're talking about. Leave it alone. Stop leaving comments about our appearance on YouTube. We're already keenly aware. And stop proving our point that there's too many men yes. in the world. All you're doing is making us more obnoxious. All you're doing <laughs> is making me want to be more annoying. So Your what now? Checkmate, me. libtards. <laughs> <laughs> but don't be mean. Be kind to each other. Do something good for someone who doesn't necessarily know that you're doing it for them. And until we see you next time, be your best selves. Love you. Bye.